Bring. You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. You just heard right there, Jungle, from their brand new CD, iTunes edition, 
Pacific Oblivion, and we heard the song Julieta Jungle from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Julieta from, again, Pacific Oblivion. Thank you, Mark Kleiner, for sending that in. Today on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with, from Oxford, UK, Fools. Fools, today on Denardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And to prepare you for Fools, gonna begin by playing something by Tallulah Gosh, also from Oxford, United Kingdom. And then also gonna play something by a favorite of Fools, the pastor T.L. Barrett, like a ship without a sail. And then an interview with Fools on Denardwar, the human serviette radio show. So, right now, here's Tallulah Gosh with Beatnik Boy on Denardwar, the human serviette radio show. Show! All my life, I had a dream of someone I'd like to meet. He would be mine, he'd be so fine. My Beatnik Boy says,
First off, who are you? I'm Yanis from Falls. Yanis, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thanks for having me. Right off the bat, Yanis, I want to say thank you for repping Skinny Puppy all these years. Sweet. You love the pup. Tell me about your repping of the pup over the years. I got into Skinny Puppy when I was probably 15. I got pretty obsessed with Ogre and the whole cast of characters, Al Jorgensen and Ministry and everything. Um, I think the first track I really got into is Assimilate. Um, but then, like, yeah, I obsessively collected everything. I used to go to a record fair in Oxford and, like, try and scout down the vinyl. And uh, there wasn't really many people where, uh, in Oxford that knew Skinny Puppy. And I wrote Skinny Puppy on my shoes, my school shoes, and people thought it was pretty weird. I love that you mentioned it in interviews. And also, Skinny Puppy are from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah. So I thought I'd further give you a Skinny Puppy CD with some more tracks of the pup. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is like a rarities thing, isn't it? Some of the more older tracks on the Network record label from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah, I know Network. Yeah, they're nice guys. Yanis, is it true that you once got paid in tuna pasta at a gig? It is true, yeah. Yeah. That was in Surrey? Could you explain the circumstances? I don't know about that. Um... We used to play house parties when we first started the band out, um, so we didn't do that many like proper like paid shows, and instead we'd just rock up um, at houses where we would be invited. And um, one of the places we turned out, we went, we went to. It turned out that it was just a guy, um, one of his friends, and his mum, and we were we sit up in his shed, and we literally played an entire set for these three people, and the mum just came out with a bowl of tuna pasta at the end of it, and that was our thanks. Thank you, Surrey. Yeah, exactly. How did Freud's play in the history of Falls? Freud's is a, a bar in Oxford um, where me and Edwin Congreve, the keyboard player, met. And it's in an old kind of 19th century ex-theater. It's kind of a it's pretty grand-looking building. It's like a neoclassical temple, um, but it's actually pretty dilapidated and kind of shitty inside, and the drinks are... Oh, drinks are mediocre. Um, but yeah, me and Edwin used to just like put techno records on in there. And um, uh, Edwin hadn't actually joined the band, and the, the band was sort of forming. And me and Jack got drunk in there one night, and we asked Edwin uh, to join as a joke because he couldn't play keyboards. And then he rocked up at practice. We'd kind of forgotten about it, and he showed up to practice on the Monday, and we were slightly alarmed. Yanis, what was it like reading poetry at age 15 at the Cat Weasel Club? Uh, that was a pretty formative experience. It was like a, it was a kind of hippie kind of thing. It was open mic, um, lots of weird flotsam and jetsam from the Oxford kind of neoliberal scene would hang out there. Um, and I namely just and no one that you would know, just like people with kind of quilted trousers and um, um, not dissimilar to yours actually, um, but. Yeah, and I'd go there with some friends because we could smoke and they would serve us alcohol as well without IDing us. And it was a place where we could read our angsty and overwrought poems to, to the world. I noticed that it used to be a church. Have you played organ in any churches at all? Like you go into a venue and there's like a cool organ and you get to ch- try it out? No, Jimmy has though. We played at the Royal Albert Hall and Jimmy got a little pop on the organ there, which is pretty special. But I'm, I'm a pretty terrible keyboardist. I can't do it. Yanis of Falls, is it true that you played with Maroon 5 at the Regal? Maroon 5? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it was kind of a weird thing. Um, it was a TV show called Transmission that used to show back in, back in the day in England on Channel 4. And it was our first TV thing. And it was Maroon 5, us, uh, Jamie T was there. Um, but yeah, Maroon 5, like, 
did you know take after take of this one song like they got to like perfect it in front of this like increasingly bored and and rambunctious studio audience that just wanted to get the hell out of there uh but it was definitely an eye-opener because we just kind of rocked up we you know we had no experience of any of that sort of stuff and we just got one take for our song which is probably why it sounded pretty dreadful Yanis, can you explain the oxford punt what is the oxford punt you mean the music thing, or do you mean the actual physical punt object? There's a couple things, aren't there? There's punt, which is like a boat, but the music thing that you played with Elizabeth, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's going way back. Uh, yeah, the Oxford punt is like a, a kind of a mini festival in all the venues of Oxford, um, of which there aren't that many, but it's kind of run by a long-standing magazine in Oxford called Night Shift that's like the love child of this guy, Ronan Munro. And it just pro- it would just provide a, like a platform for all these young bands, and it was where I first played um, in this band Elizabeth when I was 15 years old, and um, we had we found a, a weird radio that day that we started receiving. I think it was the first time we trashed anything on stage, and we trashed that thing, and it was it it, it went yeah it caused ripples in Oxford. And punt the boat, punt the boat. Yeah, punt the boat is like a gondola, like a Venetian gondola, and it's what. Um, people like to do on a sunny day in oxford it's like get on the river with some strawberries maybe like you know um a girlfriend or boyfriend and go like punting and maybe have a swim although the river does have vials disease you can get this kind of this poisonous disease there over to north america Yanis. tell us about larry from detroit what do you want to know about larry from detroit he helped your song moon didn't you what's the difference um yeah the larry <laughs> larry larry um He's not somebody I know well. I had one encounter with him. We played at the Majestic Magic Stick um, in Detroit. And um, Detroit is is somewhere that has affected me a great deal every time I go there. Um, and I uh, we played the show, and I was kind of half cut, and I, I came outside, and there was kind of like some burnt-out kind of tenements opposite, and I basically followed the sound of this drum um, across the road, and I kind of went out there, and it was a just this guy Larry who must have been he must have been like his late 50s pretty pretty out of his mind um but playing on two dustbin drums and um and he was amazing and like he was he was he was just talking about the Illuminati and ranting and raving but he had all these like rudiment skills still like military precision marching band snare and um and I sat and like I spent 20 minutes with him and it was just something that really like I don't know I just it affected me and some of it crept into the song Moon um in in this in the sense of like having this decayed urban um previously great standing of man just destructed but then there's still this kind of pulsing core of raving human madness in the middle of it yes i have another gift for you right here pastor t.l barrett oh i like it oh really oh that's sweet who jim james has said quote has put out one of the most important LPs ever made. I think you were into the pastor T.L. Barrett, weren't you? You had yeah, some yeah. YouTube links to him. Yeah, 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 like a ship is like, that's basically what I've heard. I, I heard some of this stuff off a Good God um, gospel compilation and like a ship, and there's another track um, called Yes, God is Real that's by the Gospel Comforters. But that's, that's, that's a beautiful track. What did you hear about the pastor T.L. Barrett? Just off this compilation. I just, I can't remember where I picked up. I kind of ravenously just buy records that... Um, kind of on instinct at record stores and it was one of the things I found and um, this track um, yeah, Like stayed, a Ship yeah, stayed. and now you can get the full story because inside there's some nice healthy liner notes do you like liner notes? Yeah, I do like liner notes thank you do I get to keep this? yes that's for you to keep Yanis alright thank you very much that's great 
And Yanis Folds, here we are at the Commodore Ballroom. Yeah, we are here, right. Quote, what is a mental, moral, and music meltdown? Um, it was our last show here. <laughs> Baboom, at the Commodore Ballroom. Yeah. It, we'd been on tour, I think, we'd been on tour for a long time, and um, it, things had just got a little crazy, and the shows had got a bit feral, um, and we overstayed our welcome on stage, I think, by a good hour, and there was spitting. There was supposedly... Uh, acts of violence that I don't really remember about but I know that for the next week as we proceeded down the west coast of the states um, the, somebody at the Commodore Ballroom had forwarded on warnings about our band to the rest of the venues we went to so we got kind of we were met with raised eyebrows everywhere we went that's what I love actually I thought that the promoters warned ahead of time of you playing Vancouver I thought that was genius that the promoters warned ahead of time yeah no, no they weren't they, they warned the other cities after we'd played here but it was a great show I really enjoyed it Looking at the stage there, I think you were chucking a lot of stuff off the stage. Were your bandmates trying to stop you? Do your bandmates ever try to stop you? Like you're climbing up a speaker stack, you're chucking stuff, you're chucking puke. What do the bandmates do? Uh, I don't know. They definitely don't try and hold, hold me back. Um, there's one, there was one time in London where it got a little bit out of control. I think I tried to pull down Walter's bass amp. and it, it, I think it depends what spirit it's done in. If it's done with... with um, this, it, it can turn dark, and when it turns dark, that's when I think the bandmates worry. In the true tradition of Oxford music, Tallulah Gosh! Tallulah Gosh, a, a band that I've read a lot about but don't really ever um, follow at all. But that, that's one of the bands that was always written about in Night Shift a lot. And the Candy Skins and Dust Ball, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Candy Skins uh, recorded in Shonk Studios. My first ever demo I recorded was there. They were a great band. Tragic kind of story as well of the, the fickle nature of the music industry as well where they kept like having just bad luck but you know they had a lot of bad luck against them um and then Dustball as again like he the singer from Dustball and then they became Dive Dive he was like he used to come to our rehearsals and he really encouraged me a lot he used to also give me free videos at the video rental store he worked at he's a good guy I don't think we'd be playing music without him probably when you first started playing music were you into surf rock do you have a secret surf rock obsession I think you do don't you a little bit, yeah. I like the Ventures. I like uh, the Ventures a lot. I like some Dick Dale, some Link Ray. Um, but I kind of got into it uh, since this band's been going. I got into it. And I kind of wanted to make uh, what I thought would be a surf rock record, but it turned out to be Total Life Forever, which doesn't sound that surfy. What kebab shop does David Ma work in? He used to work. He used to work at a place called Shish. Um, and it was in London. It was kind of in Shoreditch. I don't even know if it's there anymore. But the speciality was Afghan chicken. Um, which was also a haircut you could get next door at the at the at the combined barber shop, and um, yeah. So when he was like when we met him, he worked there um, because he's Australian, so he, that was his sponsor for Visa. But he, when he shot all the first videos for us, he was like he would shoot a video and then he'd go back and he'd just like make some donna for people. That's awesome. It's great to have a guy like that. One stop shopping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, haircut, video, and and dinner. Oxford, the pubs in Oxford. What about the legendary turf? legendary Jericho the legendary bear pub oh the bear pub yeah uh, yeah uh, what about it I'm just curious what do you think about the bear pub it's it's all right I used to um, I used to drink there a little bit it's tiny it's like made for like hobbits or like people my size it's like really fucking small and it's old um, it's not the they I think they claim to be the oldest pub I'm not sure if it is 
Um, but it's all right. It's pretty good. I think there's a big tie collection on the wall too. Yeah, it has all the Oxford like boating ties and all that. It's very, it's very much like part of the academic tradition of Oxford. It's kind of a tourist trap, um, but it's good for like a bit of mead if you're into that sort of thing. Yanis, what do you remember about playing the Queen's Social Club in Sheffield? Um, I remember that. That was pretty recently. That was the start of a tiny tour we did in, in the UK. It was like. Uh, we tried to play the this kind of smallest and most out of the way venues in in the UK to an extent. We could have gone probably further afield, but uh, it's in Sheffield, and it was just like a tiny little weird working man's bingo hall with a, like a broken Hammond organ backstage, um, and we played everything pretty much. We played like a bunch of the new songs there for the first time, and we played them pretty horrifically. Were you also hanging from the ceiling? Probably, yeah. Do you do that every gig? It's like for me to say, well, yeah, it's hung from the ceiling. That happens every gig. Not every, no, not every gig. I remember, I think, at that place, they had that kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like roof paneling where you can punch through the paneling and hang on to grids. Um, I used to be into a band called Sweep the Leg Johnny. I still am, but um, I love this band, Sweep the Leg Johnny, and um, there's, a, there's some footage I remember watching where the guitarist climbed through that paneling, so it kind of inspired me to try and do the same thing. Yannis, when you're traveling and you run to the airport, you sometimes encounter security guards. But Irish security guards love you guys? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I had um, a debauched night in Dublin after a show. And um, uh, I, I, didn't, I woke up and I didn't know where I was. And we had to fly. To As it should be. Yeah, exactly. And we had to fly for the first time to the States. I hadn't been, here, uh, been to the States before. Um, yeah, and basically I was missing my flight, and I run through, and then as I was running through, the security guard was just like, great show last night, and just took me, just winged me straight through to the gate. It was one, definitely one of the better moments of, it was one of the bigger perks of being in a band. And how about flipping to maybe not so great moment in Chicago? Why did you fight your merch guy? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had, um, again, I had like, I think that was a wild show, um, there was a lot of whiskey that night, and I went out and actually had a fight with my girlfriend, um, and I just went crazy, and um, uh, I ended up like I uh, there were disc- I don't remember that much of this, but I remember the next day our bass player Walter told me that I was at one point I was like in the middle of the road with like traffic coming by, and I was sort of just like I was kind of almost you know I was just oblivious to traffic. I trashed some bar stool in front of some fans that had been at the show, and they were less than impressed. And then I threatened to, uh, apparently I said I'd chop, <laughs> I'd chop our merch guy's head off and then he threatened to quit the next day. But I made it up to him. It was definitely not a highlight of my character. And then you woke up and an earring had been ripped off your face. Did you get an earring ripped off your face at one time? How did that happen and how much did that hurt? That was separate. That was in a fight in Red. We got in a fight in Reading, which is kind of a town near Oxford. It's pretty grisly in Reading. It's like, it's, you know, a lot of British city centres, it's about... There's an undercurrent of violence to them, particularly on the weekend. That's like, it feels like it's the culmination of a lot of people's nights. And I think we just crossed the wrong guys. Um, we were on tour with a band called Cut Off Your Hands at the time from New Zealand. Um, and they were bad. They, were like, they, they like to whip up trouble. Because in New Zealand, what's the worst that's really going to happen to you? Uh, but the worst that happened to me then was I got, yeah, I got uh, a labret, or not labret piercing, uh, I can't remember what it's called there, but the inner ear bit like pulled out. It was pretty sore. How about Peru and Chile, touring down there? What's it like there if New Zealand bands go and stir up trouble? It's good there. We've, we've always had a great time in South America. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's definitely a bit more intense as people waiting at the airports with like all sorts of, a lot of actual beautiful artwork, like, like portraits of us, watercolors, like oils, um, all sorts of things. 
Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty rabid and, and definitely diehard fans out there. I got some crystals from the Atacama Desert given to me in Chile that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we had a... Um, the most recent time in Mexico, we had a guy that wanted to propose to his girlfriend on stage, so we organized that for him, and that was actually... It was one of the more beautiful moments we've ever had on stage. It was genuinely affecting and touching. Now, do you think this is just for the fools? I guess, of course, it's just for the fools, or does it happen to other bands, too? Did you feel touched that they're doing it just for you, or did they maybe slide it in that they were waiting for other bands as well? It's specific. No. No, I think, I mean, I think there's something, there's definitely something in the passion in those countries that makes the fans, like, more diehard, and probably the fact that we seem more exotic to them because we're not, we're not there as frequently. Um, so, I, I mean, I think every band probably has diehard fans. I think there's something about our band that probably, in, like, it, it, there's something about the nature of our fans that's quite diehard a lot of the time. Who is Rumpel Hershon? I don't know. Where is that from? That's you, isn't it? Rumpel Hershon? Isn't that your nickname? Um... Kind of, where did you find that out from? It's you, though, Rumpel Hershon. Isn't like your cat or something like that? And then you're, it's, there's Rumpel Hershon. Those are two significant names. Yeah, they are. They are two significant names. So, Rumpel, um, I, my first gerbil was called Rumpel, like short for Rumpel Stiltskin. Um, it was actually, unfortunately, eaten by my brother's gerbil, um, which is sad. Um, and then my mother's. Gerbil on gerbil action? Yeah, they ate each other, yeah. It was dark. Yeah. Uh, you watched that happening? No, I didn't. I, I basically, my, my, they were in my brother's room. My brother went away for a few days. I was young, I, and I was like 12 years old, and I went in, uh, and I had forgotten to feed them for like a day. And I went in, and uh, um, my brother's one had eaten my one. It was pretty sad. Um, and my mother's name's Hershon. So I don't know where Rumpel Hershon, maybe it's like my porno name or something. Baboom, and you are Yanis of? Foles. Foles, quote, decadence, debauchery, and indulgence. Um, touring. Actually, what I'm referring to are the May student balls in Oxford. Oh, of which there was a, like a recent meltdown, apparently. Yeah, I heard that they were going to have like a live shark in a tank, yeah. and as well, they were going to charge like $245. Is it usually that debauchery? Uh, I mean, they are they are pretty out of control. I've never actually been to one of them, but I've got a lot of friends that have been to um to one of the college balls. They're expensive, and then they're like kind of high profile, and they get crazy. There's a secret one um, that's called Piers Gaveston. Um, that's definitely if you're in Oxford and you want to go to something that's like special, that's the one to go to. It's like invite kind of only. You have to find out about it. You don't know where you're going until the day. And um, I shouldn't probably even be talking about it. But. What happens when you get there? Like, what makes it special? Do they have to live shark and tank, or what makes it special? No, it's just super. I think it, it gained notoriety in the '80s because a lot of like MPs, kids, and stuff like uh, politicians, kids would go there. And the only rule is no phones. Um, so basically just anything goes on there and like Piers Gavison was Edward II's lover I think um, so it's, it's in, I think it started off as a kind of like you know, like an orgy basically back in the day but it's evolved into something that's a bit more well I don't even know if it is a bit more this, yeah it's just crazy it's fucked up so that raises the question how Falls played an orgy before um, no what's the closest you've got to playing an orgy uh, I don't know where that would be I don't know, maybe Japan or something? I don't know. What happened there? A sushi orgy? Yeah, sushi orgy with Yakuza tattooists Yeah, at Fuji Rock. And you love eating too, don't you? What's that meant to mean? High street butchers. What are your favorite high street butchers? Oh, uh, yeah, we went, uh, we went to 
uh, Will, we made our record in Wills and Green, and uh, we wanted to collect bones to make percussion on the record. So we, at first, we went out and tried to collect bones ourselves, and then we realized that the task was kind of like a bit grisly and kind of kind of irritating. Um, so they had like studio interns, so we started sending them out to go and collect all manner of bones for us, and then they would make them boil them down, scour the gristle and the cartilage off. Um, and it was a big endeavor. We had like we had to order in special pots and pans because some of the, like the cow shoulder blades are too big to get in regular pans. And this went on for about a month and a half. And then at the end of it, we realized it just sounded. It was like it was the sonic equivalent of bathos. There was like nothing going on. We hit them together, and it was just it was like that. It was that that uninspiring. But what about the food on them? Like you could have eaten the food off the bones. Still on that? Yeah. Like couldn't you like cook some like giant meal? Well, there wasn't. We were getting them. Literally, there was like no meat on them. Really, not much. We could have though. We could have if we thought about it. We were kind of too busy getting whipped by Alan Mulder and Flood in the studio. So, what's the Pitt Rivers Museum like in Oxford? They've like shrunken heads there. Have you been there? Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. I think it's got the largest ethnographic collection of artifacts in the world. Um, it's not that big in terms of size, but they've got like drawers and drawers and drawers of stuff that you can just pull out and look. And they have, yeah, shrunken heads from, I don't know if it's the Yanomamo tribe in the Amazon, but they've got a collection of shrunken heads. They've got amazing Amazonian jewelry made from like whole toucans and strange like exotic birds, Amazonian birds. Um, they have a bagpipe that's from my village, in, but it's from the 19th century. Um, they've got everything there. You can just go and touch it. Like, do people try to steal stuff? Are you actually able to open a drawer? You, but it's glass covered. Yeah, it's glass covered. But they have like incredible. They really have incredible things there. Um, it's definitely a place that I would like endorse if you're ever in Oxford. Is that like your number one museum that you've been to? What are your favorite museums? Winding up here, Yanis from the Falls. Um, Pitt Rivers, Pompidou. If you're alone, the Pompidou, and the John Soames Museum in London who was like an eccentric collector of all sorts of things, and he made his house into like a museum, basically. What's in there? Like, what would you see in there? Just interesting little tidbits? Yeah, just weird, just paint. And it's just, it's more the way that he's built it, because he didn't, he was like, he didn't have much space, so there's paintings upon paintings, and you pull them out on top of each other, and he just had like all sorts of stuff. It's pretty cool. Your manager, Peter, also managed like Madonna, Def Lap, Metallica. Have you learned anything from Peter? Has he told you any yarns about those artists? Yeah, I mean, I've learned stuff from Peter. I don't know if it's from them. Um, the things I've learned from Peter is like to face the audience. When Peter started managing us, I didn't ever face the audience, and that was the main contribution he made to our band. <laughs> and, uh, How about specific stories about Madonna or Metallica or anything like that? Has he mentioned anything about that? Because I know he was making some comments on Bieber a little while back. Was he? I don't know about the Bieber stuff. I mean, he's definitely told me a bunch of stories. I don't know if I can recount them to, uh, uh, to the full extent. I definitely, he talks about... He talks about drive and hunger and the fact that um, somebody like Madonna, the, 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 there's a kind of um, an insatiable motor with inside, like inside an insatiable appetite, and that's what's kind of kept it going for so long. So we, we, we talk about stuff like that, about the, the, the impulses and the, the, the desire to make music and to follow it through for a long time. Is he still tight with those former people that he's worked with? Like, did you ever hit him up to get on, like, Madonna guest list or Metallica guest list or Def Lep guest list? Metallica, definitely. He still works with Metallica. So I don't know about the, old, the older people. Um, he started working with Jimmy Page again after he used to work with Jimmy Page and stopped working with him, started working with him again. I don't know how it, how it ends up if, like, if, you, if, if your relationship ends with Peter Mensch. I don't know how it goes. I'd like to think that um, it would be all right, though. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to try and hit him up for Wimbledon tickets. Because he's got, like, access, yeah, he's got, like, parliamentary access now. Ah, now you're talking, like, screw Def Lap, let's go to Wimbledon. Yeah, exactly. 
Just curious, do you know Aviva Yael at all? Yes, I do, yeah. How do you know Aviva Yael? Um, we made a record. How do you know Aviva Yael? I have to know about the falls. Um, yeah, I know Aviva. Um, she's a great girl. Uh, we met her when we were making our record in New York, uh, the first record. And uh, we, would, we ended up uh, going to a lot of like rooftop parties in Williamsburg at the time. It was kind of exciting there back then. Um, and yeah, we just met her there. And then she's David Cross's niece, right? Something like that. And uh, yeah, and then we just stayed friends ever since. Do you still like the Spin Doctors? I like Two Princes, and that's that's basically the extent of my Spin Doctors knowledge. Walter's a big general Spin Doctors fan, but Two Princes was a song that, like, yeah, it kind of it, it took me through my my eight year old phase into my nine year old phase when I got into like House of Pain. From Skinny Puppy to the Spin Doctors, you love it all, Yanis. Yes, I do. And speaking of all, how did you find about me, Nordward, a human serviette? How did you find me? Uh, I watch YouTube and stuff, and you and you're well known. Was there anything that grabbed you at all? Because I guess I was just curious. I think the thing that grabbed me, I watched the ASAP Rocky interview that I enjoyed that you did recently. And then I watched some other stuff. Um, and I watched your Kurt Cobain interview from 1994. And I thought that was a very, it was, a, I, it was weird. Like I w- went back and just watched a bunch of Nirvana stuff and I ended up on that video and I just thought, um, I don't know, there was something arresting about that interview. It was a, it was a weird interview, I thought. Giannis, lastly here, are you still a soap dodger? What's that mean? I mean? Bizarre magazine called you a soap dodger. That sounds very, that sounds like, that's uh, defaming, isn't it? That's libelous, probably. Yeah, why did they call you a soap dodger? I don't know, because I'm grubby or something? Is that what it's going to mean? It was something about when you're recording one of your records, you didn't shower for 11 days. Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. I think it's got like, it got a little bit Howard Hughes in, um, um, Howard Hughes without the uh, achievements of Howard Hughes in, uh, when we made Tot Life in Sweden. We were living in the studio, and, um, there was just it was just like I just ate pad thai uh, for eleven days straight and didn't shower and um, obsessively worried about the record and um, almost uh, had a punch up with the producer and uh, it was just a dark time but it didn't get it wasn't like Nebuchadnezzar level of like like it, I was still relatively hygienic. Yeah, it's okay to dodge the soap in those circumstances. If you're making a record, it should be like that. It's meant to be like heart of darkness. I still brush my teeth. Apparently, there was some sort of DVD that came out that when people insert it in their DVD drives, it'll smell like pizza. Is that true? Yeah, like it warms up and actually smells like pizza. So I guess you could have schmells associated with your CD the next time. Some schmelly schmells. What were the schmells in Sweden, actually, now that I'm just thinking about it, when you're recording there? What's that? What were the schmells in Sweden like? Because you were saying, like, what would have you smelled like? If you were a soap dodger in Sweden, what would have you smelled like? Smelled like tobacco, weed, pad thai, and fear. Thanks so much for your time, Yanis. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Mm, not really. Uh, just scratch that itch. Well, thanks so much, Yanis of Falls. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do. Boom, boom.
and you're still listening to the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Fools with Cassius. And before that, an interview with Yanis from Fools. Coming up right now on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show, thought I would play something by Skinny Poppy. Gonna play the track Deep Down Trauma Hounds. Also, going to try to play as much as I can, hopefully the whole thing, of a new track recently unearthed by The Seeds. And it appears on this amazing reissue of The Seeds, put out by GMP, Crescendo, and Big Beat, and coordinated by Alec Palo. It's an amazing reissue, and I keep saying the word amazing because you can never say the word amazing enough when referring to actually the packaging and effort that GNP Crescendo and Big Beat and Alec Palo put into the releases. Well, specifically Big Beat and Alec Palo into this particular release, reissue of The Seeds. We're going to hear track number 20. Yes, track number 20, a bonus track. And what it is, is it's an unedited take and intercut section of the Seeds classic, Evil Hoodoo. Now it says here, 1559, but on the CD it says 1709. You get a whole bunch of little extra tidbits here and there of talking. If you listen really closely, you can hear, and I think you hear it, they ask Sky, like, how long is this going to be? And he's going to be like, ah, probably about 10 minutes. It ends up going on to be 17 minutes. Now, these reissues that Big Beat and Alex Palo have done by The Seeds, as I mentioned, are incredible. They reissued The Seeds, then they reissued Web of Sound, and they also reissued Future. So the first three Seeds LPs, more LPs are coming as well. But the first three that have been reissued have great thick booklets, amazing, there's the word amazing, color photographs, interviews, and little studio chatter and stuff. You can actually hear a lot of the producers yelling at Sky Saxon, the lead screamer of the seeds, stuff like, Sky, stop dancing, don't speak so fast, people won't be able to hear the words, and DJs won't be able to play the songs. It's incredible. Oh, there's a the word incredible. There's a the word amazing. So, the seeds coming up on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show with an unedited take and intercut section of Edu Evil. Who do? But before that, here's Skinny Puppy from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada with the Deep Down Trauma Hounds remix on the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show. I don't want to talk about but it will have to do. I haven't given it a second thought. Crash 
they fail see They make believe reality You can look at a thing like that as evidence of instability 
Still listening to the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there the seeds from Los Angeles, California, with the track, the full track, the full take of Edu Evil Who Do the Seeds. And again, this is from an incredible and amazing, words like to say over and over again, incredible, amazing set put out by Alex Palo and Big Beat Records and also GMP Crescendo. It's also interesting because this three CD set at the moment, like three different CDs that have been released, the Seeds self-titled, then the Seeds Web of Sound and the Seeds Future, you can listen to all the different songs that Sky Saxon and the Seeds did. And it's hilarious when you read the liner notes to find out that Sky loved to slip in the phrase night and day. Like every track that he could fit in night and day, he would say the phrase night and day. So when you listen to a seed song, sure enough, the words night and day always fit into the seed. So you just heard right there the full track, the full cut, the unedited take and intercut section of Evil Hoodoo by The Seeds which originally was on their self-titled LP at five minutes. So they cut it down from 17, 15 minutes down to five. Coming up on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, wanted to play something by, all the way from Toronto, Ontario, wanted to play something by, wanted to play something by, more or less. Thank you for the shout out, more or less. Here's the track Bruschetta by More or Less. And going to follow it up, going to head all the way to Calgary, Alberta to hear Copsicle. And thank you, Copsicle, for the shout out. Thank you for putting me as the intro for your new CD. Too many cops, not enough punk. Copsicle. And we are going to hear a Palmart. On the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. So right now, here's more or less with Bruschetta and then Copsicle with all Paul Mart. On the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. This is 
too easy to think that I'm a foodie. You gon' lose me like trying to serve me sliders as if it's bougie. Just because a small watermelon for brains doesn't mean that the quaint. I would rather get me some sushi, cause there's a lot of heat packed in a small space. Strong taste like some salt fish served with some malt lick. This is flav topped with cuts. The proverbial cherry to carry this berry too. Got you saying all shit. Dude's nuts who'd fuck with a positive vibe. A bit of fruit rappers don't wanna try. But close up the puff pastries like pies in the sky. Got no ham in it like half of a tribe. Call Quest Song. Yes, y'all. Barbecue with petrol. I'll burn you off quickly. You'll skip the beef and have a veg dog. Life might get you down and have you acting crude. I guarantee I'll change your bad mood with music and food. Yo, nothing starts a party better than rapping bruschetta. 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 Rappers making mixtapes for free to get dough. Ain't seeing no cake, ain't seeing no way. You gon' make that chocolate rain like Tazon Day. I'ma stay sweet with the flame like souffle flambe. While suckers greedy like ordering 80 entrees for the spotlight, but the oven is easy on bake. Also got shite, recipes not made to perfection. I'm left just hungry all day, so I'm aiming at you pigs like Angry Birds. You got a vitamin water to match your pants and shirt. I got a jam in Toronto, all my ass gets hurt. Makes me a vegan at the keg. Can't be served, so I'm trying to eat the beat like IT workers eat the snacks. Never miss the break, just have to wait till they get back. That might burst your brain and have you bust a fuse. I guarantee I'll have you back up next to music and food. Because nothing starts a party better than rapping bruschetta. 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 Nothing starts a party better than rapping bruschetta, and it's rare to get a decent piece of bread. Yeah. 
Now he bids on Renoir's. He lets Jet tend his garden. Listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Polly from the record All Messed Up. You heard the track Jet Jet and a Golden Feather. Polly from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, made up of Polly from No Fun. Polly All Messed Up, again, the track we just heard there, Jet Jet and a Golden Feather. Feather. And before that, from Calgary, Alberta, Copsicle with a Palmart. And to begin the set, we heard Bruschetta by More or Less. Coming up right now, to end the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show, gonna play something by the Trust Punks from New Zealand. We're gonna hear Amphetamine Psychosis. And then we're also going to hear something that was sent to me by my friend Manolis. Thank you, Manolis. Manolis from Hamilton, Ontario. Manolis rules Hamilton, Ontario and always helps me to all the music in Hamilton, Ontario that's going on right now. And he sent me Johnny Depp. And we're going to hear some Johnny Depp here. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Johnny D-E-B-T. Johnny Depp. We're going to hear some Johnny Depp. And we are going to hear the track Bronze. So thank you, Manolis, for sending me this tongue twister to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. So right now, here is from New Zealand, the Trust Punks with Amphetamine Psychosis. And then, thank you, Manolis. Again, Manolis, a great comedian from Hamilton, Ontario, Johnny Depp. Prince of the Golden Horseshoe is the name of their release. And we're going to hear the track Bronze on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Contemplating suicide, by which means I'm yet to decide. How about I stand on a chair and you can kick it out? 
Christmas bombs, people blow sell seeds. Pretty outlaw, here she is, God's gift for humanity. A magic rag light machine. Scruffmouth the Scribe, plugged in on number three, all the way live and direct on CITR 101.9. UBC represent, connect the dots. 